You're invited to take your Bible and open it with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. This morning we are finishing the teaching series on spiritual disciplines God uses to transform us, grow us, and change us as disciples. And each week I've you know, reminded us of how important discipline is in different uh, aspects of life, whether it's sports or your career and, uh, and so on. And many of you uh, were fans of you know, Louis Armstrong, a uh, great jazz musician of the last century. And I was intrigued by something he said because you know, he's one of the best of all time. And notice what he said. I put the quote on the screen for you. He said, if I, if I don't practice for a day, in other words, if I miss one day of practice, I know it. If I don't practice for two days, the critics know it. And if I don't practice for three days, the fans know it. He really expected a lot of himself, didn't he? But the truth is the discipline to practice, the discipline to work at something is really important to being good, to being your best at anything in life, music or otherwise. And, and uh, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives, that there are certain practices certain habits that we need to develop and we need to, we need to do constantly, consistently to be spiritually strong and, and continue growing. And as one of our purposes is to make disciples, you're not going to make disciples if you are not continuing to grow as a disciple. And so these, we call them spiritual disciplines are just as important as practice, whether, whether you're a musician or an athlete. These disciplines in our lives as Christians, we've talked about the importance of solitude, and meditation, because one of the things Satan does to keep you from growing is to keep you too busy to have time alone with Jesus Christ. To, to convince you of the lie that if you just show up at church, if you volunteer occasionally, you'll be okay. That's all you need to grow as a disciple and become the disciple Jesus saved you to be. That's a lie, and it, it's just, it just doesn't work. You need more than that. We've talked about the importance of the spiritual disciplines of simplicity and fasting, denying ourselves things so that we have room for the things of God, so that we have space in our lives to obey God. This morning as we wrap this up, and we could go on for weeks, but uh, I just want to deal with six disciplines these three weeks. Today, two more, study and service. And some of you think, do they go together? Yeah, they do. Because the first one, study, is about you filling yourself and learning. The second one is about you taking who you are and what God's done in your life and giving it to others. Because if all you do is study, you become selfish and arrogant, spiritually speaking. Service is how we put into practice what God teaches us and does in our lives, does in our lives through study. So I think they absolutely go together. Now I want to begin this morning by talking about the importance of study. My first trip to London some years ago, one of the places I wanted to visit was the Metropolitan Tabernacle, which is the, uh, uh, the church that Charles Spurgeon pastored in the 1800s, one of the greatest pastors in, in history. And I believe it was in the 1860s when they actually built that facility. That's the front of it, which still exists today. The inside does not exist today, but, but that's what it looked like when it was erected in the 1860s. Seated 5,500 people, and they, they had room for 6,000 with standing room only, no PA system. And sometimes, now listen to this. There were times when the members would leave the service to make room for guests. They knew why they existed. 
And uh, the Nazis destroyed that with their bombs during World War II. So the front facade, they built a new one. And I, I wanted to go there and visit it. And I remember going into the, the new sanctuary and standing in the pulpit just reminiscing on what God had done through, through his ministry. And one of the things I heard about Spurgeon years ago was that he would get up early in the morning, go to his study to work on sermons, and he would sit there wearing a pair of work boots to remind himself that the people of his congregation, the people of that city were working, providing for their families, and what he was doing sitting at his desk working on that sermon was what God had called him to do. Now, all of us understand how important it is for a preacher, if you're going to continue getting better and teaching the Word of God, to study, right? <clears throat> but here's the thing. Preachers and Sunday school teachers are not the only ones who need to study. Every follower of Jesus Christ needs to study and is supposed to study to become what God wants you to become. In fact, you're not going to become everything God wants to do in your life without some not only Bible reading and meditation, but also Bible study. Why? Well, I want to show you several verses, and the first one is in the book of Romans chapter 12. Okay, Because in verse 1, if you have your Bible, chapter 12, he talks in verse 1 about giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. But notice what he says in verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't, don't be like everybody else. As a disciple, you are to be like Christ, to be different. Don't be conformed to the world. Well, how is that possible? Because you are transformed. You are changed. And it's not just that you're changed when you become a believer. You are in the process of being transformed. You are in the process of changing process of being transformed is an ongoing thing that that i am not to stop growing getting better learning changing becoming more christ-like until the day i die it's a process that never stops if you ever think you've you've arrived you haven't not until heaven and so it says be transformed continuing to be transformed how by the renewing of what the renewing of what the only way you're going to get better in some areas of your life is to, is to change how you currently think. It's to change what you currently know. It's the renewing of our mind that produces growth, produces change. And so it matters. It's not just the heart. The heart matters. The soul does the mind. You see, there's a connection between what you and I think and how we live. When you change our, our thinking, when we change our thinking, we change our behavior. And so renewing our mind, the Scripture says, is, is, is important as a believer. Now, look at a couple more verses in your Bible. In the book of Ephesians, for instance, in chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, he says that you be renewed in the spirit of your what? What is it again, church? So be renewed in the spirit of your mind. God says your mind has to be growing. Your knowledge has to be growing. Your ability to think like a follower of Jesus Christ has to be renewed, growing. He says that's how you put on the new self, the new person, which is made in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. So how do we become more holy, more righteous, more like Jesus? We have to put his truth in our mind. We have to be renewed in our mind. Bible reading, meditation, Bible study, and other ways that God can teach us. Look at 
this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I put it on the screen for you here where he says, Think on certain things. Think on those things that are true and honorable, those things that are pure and of, 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 of good repute, those things that are admirable, things that are excellent, things that are worthy of, of praise. Think on these things. What, what you think about, what you give your mind to, what you give your thoughts to, what you give your intellect to is in large measure going to shape the person you are becoming. And so what, what are you doing spiritually? What, what are you doing that to, to continually have your mind shaped in the image of Christ so that your life can become more like the image of Christ, so that you can grow as a disciple and become a disciple who makes other disciples. Now, two weeks ago I talked about meditation. So what's the difference between meditation and study? They're similar. There are overlaps. They, they, they touch each other. But they are also distinct. See, study is analytical. Meditation is devotional. Study is about learning and understanding Meditation is about applying that truth to your life, responding to what God says to you about your thinking, about your attitude, about your decisions, about your behavior, about your priorities. So what study does is give you a biblical, theological framework from which to do meditation. Because without that biblical framework, that theological framework, your meditation can be prone to two mistakes, two errors. One is emotionalism, where it's all emotion and no substance. The other is bad theology, bad interpretation of the Scripture, that if you don't have a biblical theological framework, understanding of truth that comes through study, which which creates the framework for your reading the Bible and meditating and having those daily encounters with Jesus that are, that are meditation, that are devotional and that encourage you, that, that you see people do this. And I even see some, some preachers sometimes do it where they, they take the Scripture. No, God says this and what God says has absolutely nothing to do with what the Scripture is actually saying. And you can get some crazy stuff that way. So having a framework of of, of biblical understanding, of, of biblical theology, of biblical doctrine. That, that's what study does. And then that frames, that, that creates the framework. And within that, the devotion happens. Within that, the daily Bible reading happens. Within that, the meditation happens. And we hear God and we hear God accurately. We hear God biblically. Now, you've heard me talk a lot in recent weeks about our D groups and our discipleship groups, which we're going to do some training uh, on in, in October. And uh, our focus is on reading Scripture. And so sometimes some people think, well, because I talk so much about reading Scripture, I don't think there's any value in reading books. I do. I just happen to think in our church world we focused on books sometimes almost to the exclusion of Scripture, books about the Bible instead of the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean those books aren't valuable. They are. You're seeing some photographs of my library. I'll have a lot of books. I believe in reading and study and, and, and reading all kinds of books and, and uh, uh, there's others. That's just some of my library. So I'm not anti-books and, and God has used those in my life tremendously. In fact, 
I read a few books this summer. Let me share with you two of them that I read because I wanted to have I wanted God to stretch me. Okay? So when I read, I don't want to just always be entertained. Sometimes I want God to teach me something, to, to, to grow me. So one of the books I read, which is really out of my wheelhouse, was this one by Gretchen Carlson called Be Fierce. And she was the uh, Miss America. She was the uh, news person on Fox News for years who stepped down and sued Roger Ailes for sexual harassment, and they settled for $20 million. And there's been a lot going on in our country and said about this issue. So, you know, that's not my world. I need to know about that. I need to grow. I need to understand. I need to try to put myself in some other people's situation and understand. And this book was eye-opening for me. It was a good read. It wasn't a fun read, but God used it to teach me some things. And... Uh, if you want to understand what some people are saying about sexual harassment, I encourage you to read it. Some of us need our eyes open. So God can use things like that to teach us and make us better people, right? Another one I read this summer is this one here by Ed Henry, 42 Faith. It's about uh, Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey and integration of Major League Baseball. But here's what you, what's unique because there's so many books about that subject, okay? This is a newer one. This one focuses on the fact that both Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey were devoted, devout followers of Christ and how their faith in Jesus shaped them and helped them as they courageously integrated baseball when practically everybody was against them doing it. And you're not going to understand people from different walks of life until sometimes you put yourself in their place. And wanting to learn and wanting to grow and wanting to study means I'll do what I have to to, 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 to become a better me, not just stay where I am, because where I am is limited just by where I am. Does that make sense? So I'm not against books. God uses books. I never will forget years ago when our son Stephen was, I don't know, eight years old or so, he and I drove to the beach in my little red truck just the two of us and we had the book on cassette because that's all that truck had it was a cassette player we had the book on cassette and we listened to Hank Aaron read his autobiography and I heard Hank Aaron read some of the letters he received and the things that described the things that were done to him when he was breaking Babe Ruth's home run record that impacted me God can use things to help us grow. we need to study Books are good. Books are good. I believe in them. But the most important book for you to study is what? The Bible. Some of you love to read, but you never read this. Some of you really enjoy movies, but you never read this. Some of you love going to ball games, but you never read this. We have time for what's important to us, brothers and sisters. You remember the passage in, 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 in Timothy, in 2 Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let me show you how important reading the Bible is, studying the Bible. He says, all Scripture is inspired, God-breathed. It's inspired by God, and it's profitable, it's beneficial, it helps. And what's it profitable for? For teaching for reproof, for correction, 
for training. I think the King James may say instruction in righteousness, for training in righteousness. You want to know how to be right with God and how to be a righteous disciple, how to be a a growing, holy, godly disciple. Scripture trains, instructs in that so that the man of God, and today we could say the woman of God, the follower of Christ, may be adequate. The word means mature, complete, equipped, prepared for every good work. God uses the Scripture. He uses His truth. He uses the Word. Let me use an analogy to help you a little bit. Because some of you are like me. Sometimes you read the Bible, you study, you do meditation, and wow, God just jumps like, like God jumps out of the pages and just you just have that encounter, right? Then there's other times you read it and, well, didn't get much out of it today. Is anybody agree with me that, that it can be both? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, uh, you know, you, you drink a lot of caffeine or you, you, you buy, I, I don't do this, but maybe you do. You buy one of these energy drinks and, you, you know, you, and you get that shot of adrenaline, that shot of caffeine, whatever it is. That fix sometimes scripture is like a spirit a rush of a rush of spiritual adrenaline. You're you're having your quiet time and man the spirit of God just speaks and, and you get inspired and encouraged for that day. Other times it's like when you take your daily vitamins, nothing happens. But you know over the long haul, it's making you healthier, right? Scripture does both. Sometimes you sit down with the Word of God and it's that, that, that spiritual adrenaline. God, you encounter God and great things happen in that moment. Other times, I'm taking my vitamins. Don't feel anything in that moment, but boy, I need it and I, and I know that and I'm getting healthier. And if I stop taking my vitamins, I'm more likely to get sick. So, so don't base your Bible reading just on did you have an emotional experience that particular day. Some days you will, some days you won't. You need both. You hear me, church? Study Scripture, study the Word of God. One of the best examples is in the book of Acts in chapter 17, the people of the city of Berea when Paul showed up. Notice what it says, that they were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they received the word with great eagerness, doing what? Examining. Examining the Scriptures. How often? How often? Daily. You want to know the truth of God? Get in the Word of God consistently. Study it consistently. Luke chapter 2 Jesus, when he was a little boy, you remember he was 12 years old and stayed behind after his family visited Jerusalem. He stayed behind and they searched for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple. And notice what he was doing. He was sitting there with the teachers. And he was both listening to them and he was asking them questions. And when you read the Gospels, do you notice how often Jesus quoted the Old Testament? makes you think you don't need to read scripture what makes you think you don't need to study the scripture what makes you think you don't need to put the scripture in your heart in your mind what makes you think you don't need to memorize scripture bible study is one of the spiritual disciplines which god uses to grow us how many of you like pro football 
Come on, be honest. Some of you are lying because you don't want to raise your hand in church. Come on, be Pentecostal for just a moment. You like pro football? You like the NFL? All right. You know, Pat, Pat Summerall was one of the great voices of, of broadcasting. I think he, uh, he, he announced, I think it was like 16 Super Bowls, worked with you know, CBS, Fox, and, and worked with John Madden, and one of the, one of the best ever at, that, uh, at that, uh, that sport. Spent 40 years calling NFL games on television. He also had a 10-year career, mostly with the New York Giants. I put a picture up there within the Chicago Cardinals because some people don't know the Cardinals used to be in Chicago before St. Louis, before L.A., before Arizona, wherever they, they're at now. But he was a football player and announcer. The problem was, and, and, and by the way, Pat Summerall died about six years ago of a heart attack. The problem was he spent most of his adult life as an alcoholic. And when he was 62 years old, his family and friends sat him down for an intervention. And it wasn't working. He was just getting angry and angry. And, and, and the last communication to him was from his daughter. And, and she described one incident after another after another where he had hurt them and let them down. And the last sentence, the last statement from her was, Dad, the few times we've been in public together recently, I've been ashamed we shared the same last name. Pat Summerall started to cry like a baby. Checked himself into the Betty Ford Clinic. He got clean of alcohol. But also there he met Jesus Christ. He started reading the Bible every day. Let me, let me, let me share with you a quote. This is what he said. He said, "My thirst." listen to this. He said, my thirst for alcohol was being replaced by a thirst for knowledge about faith in God. And from that day forward, he started reading the Bible every day. He was baptized at one of our Baptist churches in Texas. And this is what he said. He said, I felt ecstatic, invigorated, happier, and freer. It felt as though my soul had been washed clean. And after that, for the rest of his career, whatever city Pat Summerall was in while he was covering pro football, he went out of his way to find a Bible study he could go to while he was there. Here's what he said about it. He said, it's like an alcoholic looking for a drink. If he wants it bad enough, he can find it no matter what. I'm like that when it comes to finding Bible studies. No matter where I'm working, I know that they're out there and I can find them. Wow. Some of you until this morning hadn't picked up your Bible since last Sunday, right? Two weeks before Pat Summerall died was Easter Sunday and he was in worship sitting in the front row at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano outside Dallas. The congregation was standing and they were singing the old rugged cross and Pat Summerall was standing on that front row and his pastor could look over at him and he saw Pat with his eyes lifted toward heaven and tears streaming down his face. In his funeral... Jack Graham said, he finished well. 
So you, you, can't, you can't go back and relive the past. You can't go back and study like you would have when you were 20 or 30. I, I don't know what age you are today, but wherever you are in life, the rest of your life can be given to grow, drawing closer to Christ, growing as a disciple, feeding on the Word of God through reading and meditation and study. You can move beyond where you are today, whatever your age. And that's what God wants. And I think deep in our hearts, that is also what we want. Now, very quickly, let me just say a word or two about service because I, I think they help each other. As I said in the beginning, if all you do is study, and we, we've seen people like this, man, they know so much Bible, they're of no earthly good. We talk about people who are so smart, they don't know how to do anything, right? They know a lot of information. They just don't know what to do with it. Well, as a follower of Christ, if all you do is study, all you do is study, you study, you study, you study, you know all this stuff, you want to know everything about the end times, you want to know everything about all of this other, but you don't serve, you don't take what God's put in you and give it out, you don't take what God's grown you to become and use it to be a blessing to others, you're like a stagnant pond of water. It can lead to spiritual arrogance. It can lead to self-centeredness and a judgmental attitude because you know more than everybody else. See, what, listen, God uses study to grow us. He uses Bible reading to grow us. But you know what else God uses to help us grow? Hmm? Relationships. Is it not true you become a better husband or a better wife through the give and take and the interaction of your marriage relationship as you begin to realize things about yourself? Is that not true? If you don't learn things about yourself in relationships, you limit your growth. See, growth is like looking in a mirror and Seeing yourself, seeing things in yourself is not always like looking out the window to talk about everybody else. It's a mirror. As the Word of God helps you see yourself and see God. As, as experiences and relationships help you see yourself. I tell you, after reading all the accounts of sexual harassment in this book, I see some things differently than I used to. So service is, is engaging with people and letting God use you to bless them but also grow you, grow you. See, service means dying to yourself. In Luke chapter 22, verses 24 and 27, I put these on the screen for you. Notice that. Uh, the disciples get into a, a disagreement and argument about which one of them is the greatest. Hey, I'm better than you. I'm closer to Jesus than he is. Look what I've done. I deserve this seat next to Jesus. And Jesus said, no, that's how people in the world act. Jesus never said there's no authority, but he said authority basically is 
is based on 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 responsibilities and duties, not status, not you talking about positional authority, but when you have that, you use it in a certain way. Go to, go to the next slide. Look at the next two verses. There you go. He said, you don't, you're not to do it the way the world does. The oldest has to become like the youngest, the leader like the servant. He's, he said, if you come into a banquet, who, who's the greater person? Who has the higher status, the one sitting at the table or the one serving? Well, the one at the table has the higher status, right? But Jesus said, while that's true, he said, I came to serve, not just sit at the table. And that's what he says all of us are, are to to be a service. See, it, it means die, at times dying to self. You know what service does? Serving frees us from this cultural focus on status, authority, self-promotion, pecking order. Ser- serve people in the church. Serve people in your, your, your neighbors. Serve people at work. Serve your friends. Serve your family. Serve in Big things and small things, visible things and invisible things. I, w- I was reminded of this uh, Friday afternoon. I stopped at uh, Bilo to pick up a few groceries. And uh, when I got out of my car, I saw this elderly woman with a shopping cart. She looked befuddled and lost. And, and there were a couple of women with her, and there was a, a Bilo employee. She couldn't find her car. So everybody was trying to help her find her car. It was, you know, it was, it was kind of warm and muggy out. And uh, so what do you drive? She drives a silver Kia. I got, I have a silver Kia. And so it, we all started looking. The four of us started trying to find her silver Kia. Walked over. We found, here's a, here's a Kia. No, it's not that one. Here's a silver. Is it this? None of, no. And uh, now I walked over to one end of the parking lot, the furthest away, just and I found a, a silver Kia over there. And, and when I turned around and started going back to her to try to ask her, is, is this your car way over here? The, I, you know, the others had already left. And, and when I got to her, she said, oh, never mind. I forgot I drove my other car today. <laughs> <laughs> That's her getting in her red Kia. Now, I did, you know, block her face, but... Uh, Yeah, I did get some exercise, a little sweat. <laughs> what, I, what I'm trying to say to you is to understand that service isn't just the big things we do, is it? Serve, serve the Lord. You know, have you had those moments when the Holy Spirit just whispered to you, just prompted you to do something? opportunities to serve, big ways, little ways, sharing God's word, sharing the gospel, service. Vance, Vance is an African-American man who lives in a neighborhood and an apartment complex that's predominantly Hispanic. And so he stands out. One of the reasons he stands out is he's 
He's kind of like a father figure to a lot of the kids. He's kind-hearted. One evening, it was about 9 o'clock, and there was a knock on his door. Vance opened the door, and here's this 16-year-old Hispanic kid. Asked Vance if he would help him tie his necktie. Because he doesn't have a dad at home to show him how. And so Vance works with him and helps him tie his necktie. And then this teenage boy, rather sheepishly, asked, do you have a pair of black dress shoes I could borrow? Because the next day he had this big presentation at school. He had to dress up. And immediately Vance remembered that brand new $60 pair of black dress shoes he had just bought and were still in the box in the closet. And he said it. He sensed the Holy Spirit telling him, give those shoes to that boy. And Vance cringed when he heard that. And so he he said, let me go check. And on his way, he told his wife what was happening and and what he had sensed the Holy Spirit prompting him to do. And she said, well, yeah, sounds like God's talking to you. That's a good idea. So he goes in the closet and he gets that box and those shoes are in there and he's carrying them out to the door where this teenager is and he's saying, I hope they don't fit. I hope they don't fit. I mean, how many, how many, how many 12-year-old boys wear, I mean, how many 16-year-old boys wear a size 12 shoe anyway? They fit perfectly. So he, he gave his dress shoes to this, to this kid. A few weeks later, Vance and his wife since God leading them to start a Bible study for, for children, for kids in their apartment building. So they bought four Bibles just in case anybody showed up and they invited the kids in that apartment. They were going to meet on Sunday evening. And that first Sunday evening they had seven kids and the leader that brought them was that 16-year-old teenager. They had to go out and buy some more Bibles and the next Sunday night they had 14 kids. It all started because there was that moment when Vance sensed the Holy Spirit prompting him not only to help this kid tie his necktie, but give him a pair of dress shoes. And out of that, God, guess what? Guess what God did? God grew his kingdom. You see, study and service go together. If all you do is serve, you're not going to have enough truth to have the eternal impact you need to have. Did you hear that? And if all you do is study, you're just going to get stuck up and not help anybody. They go together. Just like solitude and meditation go together. Just like simplicity and fasting go together. Study and serving go together. So these spiritual disciplines are about you being spiritually strong. They are about you becoming the kind of disciple that impacts this world and helps others become disciples. 
They're about you and your ability to hear the voice of God and obey Him. They're about you making a difference in this world. They are about you being the person that Jesus saved you to be. Not just being saved, not just being forgiven, not just going to heaven, but being a man of God, a woman of God whom He uses. That's what these spiritual disciplines are about. Is that what you want? I think it is. So practice them. Be like that person who gets up at 5 a.m. every morning and runs to the gym to work out physically. You be that person that says, I'm going to work out spiritually every day of my life. Be spiritually fit. Let's stand. As the team leads us in singing our hymn of invitation, I'm inviting you right now. I'm encouraging. I'm calling you to come to the altar and pray. Maybe there's one or two of these disciplines in particular God's putting on your heart which He wants you to begin practicing on a consistent basis. Come and kneel here and pray. I'm asking you to come and speak with one of these pastors if you need to pray with someone to to say to one of them, I, I want to join First Baptist Church because I want, to, I want to grow here and I want to serve here and I want to be an instrument of God in this place. And if you've never become a follower of Christ, you're not one of His disciples, you can come to Steve or Jamie and say today, I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to be saved and forgiven and begin following Him and growing in Him. Let's sing together and you come right now quickly.